Well, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the Glenn Mills Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Mills. Looks forward to sharing with you today. Just the other week, we pretty much shared a message at the church about millennium apprenticeship. Uh, the other Wednesday night at Deep Life Christian Center, where Kim and I go to church at, really, really great message. You can find uh, that message on Facebook. Unfortunately, uh, the last few mo- moments of it got cut off because my wife's phone, Kim, had died on her. The battery went dead at that time. So I want to give it to you in, in, in its entirety today. I really believe it's a powerful message that we really need to hear at Millennium Apprenticeship. Now, Millennium, if you know anything about the events that are coming up in the future, this is the thousand-year reign of Christ after the rapture of the church, the seven years, great tribulation, and then the battle of Armageddon. Now, at the end of the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says Jesus, along with the saints, he will set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and reign with a rod of iron for a thousand years. That means it's going to be a thousand years. The devil's going to be restrained and chained up in the pit until the end of this thousand years, and then he'll be released again. And the Bible says, going forth and deceiving the nations. But a thousand years of Jesus reigning here on the earth. That's in the events that are coming up. It doesn't matter what you believe, post, pre, mid, whatever. These events are going to happen, regardless of when they think they're going to happen. There's going to be the rapture of the church. Seven years, great tribulation. We're already living in times of tribulation. But there's going to be a great tribulation. You can read about that in Revelation for its full detail. But then at the end of that, all the nations will rise up against Christ. And we will come back with him. And he will defeat those nations and set up his kingdom. So that's what we're talking about. So often in the Christian life, we just focus on what's happening right now. Right here, right now, today, we tend to stay in the physical. I often encourage believers and Christians, everywhere I go, every chance I get, and the messages that we preach through the media, that get focused on the spiritual. I've said this many times, I've actually taught it many times, that when we came to the cross to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, prior to the cross, we were human beings with a spirit. But once we accepted Christ, the Bible says our sins were washed away. We were born again. We were new creatures, new creations in Christ. So now we're no longer human beings with a spirit. We are spiritual beings with a body. And we should be focusing mainly on that which is spiritual. See, the human part of us tends to lean to the physical, the temporary, the momentarily. But my friends, we need to be focusing. Even though we're living in this world, we're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God. We've been born into a new kingdom and an eternal kingdom. And we need to quit just focusing on what's happening today at our place, our home, our business. Yeah, these are things that we have to live through. And the Bible gives us instructions on daily living. And the Holy Spirit will help us every day. But we've got to focus on the eternal the spiritual, and the millennium is part of that because the Bible says that not only are we reigning with Christ now in the spirit in high places, but we're going to reign with him 
in the millennium age, that thousand years. We're not going to be doing the same things that we're doing. We're going to be serving and working and being, um, if you will, rulers over things during the millennium reign of Christ. Apprenticeship means when someone is in a state or condition of learning from a master in a field, a trade, a position, etc., etc. It's learning. It's getting under someone and learning from them. And at this moment, we're actually in millennium apprenticeship. We are learning now, leading now, growing now, maturing now for what is going to eventually happen then. So we can't just focus on the here and the now. We can't just focus on today's events. we got to realize everything that's happening is leading toward our eternity. Jesus was heading up to Jerusalem. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 12. But Jesus was leading up to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's where he was heading. And the final days of his life before he would go to the cross. Now, many following him were excited, and they were expecting Jesus to take over the Roman government and to set up his kingdom at that time. They totally misunderstood the kingdom of God. It was not to take over any other kingdom, but that eventually the kingdom of God would be the only kingdom. But now was not the time. Jesus, his mission was to go to Jerusalem to give his life for the sins of the world to raise from the dead victoriously, to sit at the right hand of the Father, and then eventually, that'd be the rapture of the church and all these other events would happen. But they totally misunderstood. They were expecting Jesus to overthrow the Roman government and to set up his kingdom. Jesus then, however, reveals to them his kingdom and how it will be set up in that age. Beginning in verse 12, using the King James Version of Luke 19, and he being Jesus, said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, nobleman means ruling rights that are given by birth. This, this nobleman was someone who had received special rights at birth. And even in the olden days, if you were a nobleman, you were born into that. Well, we know that Jesus was born in to being the King of kings and Lord of lords. He was the Son of God. Therefore, he was born to rule and to be the nobleman. The far country that he is referring to here, remember, even though he's speaking in physical terms, he is speaking of spiritual things as well. Often, what we see in the physical has spiritual implications. So Jesus is revealing he is the nobleman. He has been given rights at birth to be king of kings, lord of lords. He has a mission to finish, but the far country that he's talking about is heaven. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to heaven. He's already told the apostles uh, at this time, the disciples, that he was going to Jerusalem to die to die for the sins of the world, to do what had been prophesied from the beginning of time that a Messiah would come. And that's what Jesus was going to do. And later, the kingdom that they wanted now would be set up then. So he's saying, 
I will be going away for a while. I'm going back to heaven, to the right hand of the Father, the giver of the kingdom that you're looking for. That's where I am heading. In verse 13, it says, And he, the nobleman, called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds and said to them, listen to this, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Now the true translation in the Greek and the Hebrew is mean trade or do business till I come. With what? With the 10 pounds. With the money that I've given you, do business till I come. That money in the kingdom of God represents the gospel of Jesus Christ to us today. The 10 servants is represented as 10 born again believers. You got to get this. These were not just anybody. They were born again believers. That's the symbolism that we're seeing here. Jesus is the nobleman. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He has rights to be king because of that. He's going to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back at another time. But while he's gone, he has left us with his business. He divided to them his business, the gospel, and said, now go out and trade. Trade what? Trade the gospel for the darkness. Show people you've got a better way. Show people you've got something more valuable than what the world has to offer. You see, the, the gospel is our business. We're to be about the business of the gospel. He said, do business. Occupy till I come. So the ten servants are born-again believers. The ten minus and Matthew, it says pounds is the gospel. The gifts, the talents that we've been given by God. Do business till I come. When's he coming? The rapture. Or death will take us home. But one day he is physically coming back. And that's going to be the rapture. And then all the events start. Then he will come back for the millennium kingdom. Note, do business, he said. Occupy till I come. Do business. Do business, not own business. What, do, what does that mean? That means we do not own the gospel, we proclaim it. We are to do the gospel, we don't own it. When you hear a preacher, preacher says, well, this is my church, he is dead wrong. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. No church belongs. Now, now, there may be people occupying a building, but the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a minister of the gospel. I don't own the gospel. I present it. It belongs who? To the nobleman. It belongs to the master. It belongs to Jesus and God the Father. And it is presented to us as the gospel and gifts and talents by way of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14. But his citizens hated him. Oh, does this sound familiar? And sent a messenger after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us, citizens who hated him. Well, who were they? Those who will not submit to Jesus' authority or even accept his sacrifice. There are those who say, I will not have Jesus ruling over me. Just as they said, we're not going to allow this nobleman. we got to realize the nobleman Jesus is talking about is himself. And he's going to receive his kingdom from the Father after he finishes the work of redemption and salvation that will be provided through his sacrifice of his life, his blood, on the cross. 
and he has left us with the gospel, but there will be those who say we will not have him rule over us, and we're seeing that today. Can I say this without offending anybody? There are even those in the church who love the idea of being saved and salvation, but you still don't want Jesus telling you what to do. You still don't want the word telling you what to do. You're still trying to read something into the word that's really not there. You're trying to accept humanistic thinking and opinion. Uh, ideology of other things, the idea that somebody else has got it right and God's got it wrong. These are the same people who said, we're not going to have Jesus ruling over us. We might not say that, but if we're not careful, we live the same way. Anytime we live in disobedience and we don't want to do what God wants us to do. As I have said through the Spirit and the teaching of the Word many times, come on here, God's doing an awesome work in us. And as, as we've said so many times before, you know, God wants to work through us and do a great thing through us. But if we're not listening, if we're not obedient, we're going to miss God's plan for our life. And so often when we walk in disobedience, we want Jesus to be our Savior, one who saves us, but not our Lord, one who rules over us. And that's just what these people were saying. Oh, I, I love the idea of being saved, but I don't want him telling me what to do. My friends, if God tells us something to do, you better believe it's the best thing you could ever do. If God's got a plan for my life, it's a plan better than anything I could ever come up with on my own. Somebody say amen, praise the Lord. So we see there are citizens who do not want to do or follow or have the master to rule over them. In verse 15 it says, And it came to pass that when he, who, the nobleman, and this, when Jesus returned, having received his kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, the gospel, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading, by presenting, by witnessing, by proclaiming, by doing the business of the gospel. My friends, I've read this all my life since I was saved at 13 years of age, and I've never fully understood these scriptures the way that I see them now. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I, God gave me a revelation of 2020 spiritual vision. If you have not seen that video, you need to go back and watch it. It's on YouTube and Facebook, and I believe also uh, on podcast, 2020 spiritual vision. You can find it there. But it talks about if we submit to God, his word, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to see things and this year, we've never seen before. And I have to admit, since that time, even this scripture has come to life to me. Wow. And that's what God wants to do. He said, what have you gained by trading? So, Jesus returns by way of the Holy Spirit. You see, one day he's coming for the church. One day he's coming in the second coming for the millennium. But right now, he has come back by way of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm sending you another comforter who is just like me. The term in the Greek is alon, one just like, not similar, not most like, but just like. So Jesus has come back to us in spirit by way of the Holy Spirit, 
But one day, praise God, he will return in bodily form and set up his millennial kingdom where we will reign with him at that time. But what he does is he calls forth those who he gave the money, the talents, the pounds, the minus, the gifts, the gospel, to see what they had done with it while he was away. Verse 16 and 17 then came the first saying, Lord, and look at what he said, Lord. He acknowledged him as master. But my friend, that is very important. Jesus cannot just be our savior. He has to be our master. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained 10 pounds. Wow. He increased what God had given him. He had traded it. He had gone out and witnessed the gospel. He had gone out and proclaimed the gospel, and he had won a large percentage of people to the Lord. That's what he means. I have gained. I traded. What does it mean to trade? That means we show them, we show the world what we have to offer in Jesus Christ. And so what they do, they trade darkness for light. They give up walking in the darkness, walking and living in sin, and come through the light of Jesus Christ. That's the training. We give them something. You know, I have to ask you today. Have we got something that the world considers valuable in Christ? Are we living in such a way they want what we've got? They're willing to come out of the darkness into the light for what we have. Only you can answer that. But that's what he's talking about. Living in such a way that you are doing the business of the gospel and people are coming to the Lord. In verse 17, Jesus said, the master said, well, thou good servant. And another place in Matthew says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But here he says, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful with very little. Look at what he says. Have authority over 10 cities. That is future tense. 10 cities. He didn't say, in another place, he said, because you've been faithful with little, I'm going to give you much. Here he's talking about the millennium kingdom. He said, you've been faithful with what I gave you to do business with here. You presented the gospel. You brought souls in. You brought people out of the darkness into the light. I'm going to entrust you with 10 cities and the millennial coming. Oh, my friend, that is beautiful. The first man traded, he shared the gospel, gained 10 times more souls for Christ in a temporary world. 10 cities means he's going to be reigning supremely with Christ in the millennium. Now, note, take a note of this. Temporary actions of obedience now will bring eternal rewards of reigning in the future. It's all my life, so often I've been taught it's all about getting to heaven. It's a lot more than just getting to heaven. Because even if we go to heaven now, we're going to come back for the millennium. The thousand year reign of Christ. We will be either reigning with him or we won't be there. We're going to show you that before we get out of these scriptures. We're either going to be reigning and being obedient now or we won't be reigning with him then. We are reigning in the kingdom. The Bible says we are co-laborers with Christ. The Bible says we are reigning with him in high places. Already, if we're being obedient and doing what we need to do, what we're called to do, what we're gifted to do, what we have talent to do, this is extremely important to the body of Christ. We got to get this. It ain't, it's, can I say, ain't, it ain't just about now. It's about future tense as well. It's not just about getting to heaven. God wants to get heaven to us 
It's about what's coming, the millennium and all those things. If we can't be obedient now, how do you think you're going to be obedient for eternity? But the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will help us be obedient. So again, let me give you that. Temporary actions of obedience now. What do I mean by temporary? It means it's just it's for it's only for this lifetime. 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But what is that compared to etern endless eternity? So therefore, it is a temporary action because it's only for a short time. But that obedience will bring eternal rewards of reigning in the future. Verses 18 and 19. Let's look at this. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained, look at this, five pounds. And he said likewise to him, then thou shalt be over five cities. Now, come on out. The Lord could have said, well, look, uh, the other guy, he increased his by 10%. You've only increased yours by 5% or five times more than what I left you with. But, but my friend, what you got to see here is everybody doesn't have the same gift. Everybody doesn't have the same talent. But everybody does have the same responsibility. Wow. Get that again. Not everybody has the same gifting of God, the same calling of God, or even the same talents from God. But we all have the same responsibility. You see, for whatever reasons, the other guy was better at winning souls. But that doesn't mean that because you're not as good as somebody else that you don't still have the responsibility to win souls. Maybe you can't win as many because maybe your gift's not like that, but you still have the same responsibility. I still have the same responsibility. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, can't, I always can't remember this other fellow's name, Bonky. I'm not Bonky. I don't have a record of 77 million souls that I have personally through crusades brought to the Lord, let alone how many outside of that. I don't know how many people in my lifetime I've brought to the Lord. I have been preaching and teaching since I was saved at 13. I don't know, but I know it's probably not as many as Billy Graham or, or Brother Balky has won. But I do know this. I've been faithful with what I've been given. The gift, the call that's on my life. And that's all God expects of you. Maybe you can make it ten times more. Maybe you can make it five. But you still have the same responsibility. So the guy comes up and says, hey, I, I, brought, I, I only increased it five times. He said, yeah, but you still showed yourself faithful. You did something. My friend, that's it. He did something. And that is really stressing in here. The second man increased his ministry results five times more. Therefore, he's going to reign in five cities in the millennium. He said, if I can trust you to do that now, I can trust you in the millennium to reign over five cities. You know, the place in the Bible where the Bible says, if, if a man can control his mouth, he can rule a city. I think that's in Proverbs. If a man can control his mouth, keep his tongue under control, he can reign over a city because he's shown himself faithful. Wow, this is good stuff. So the first guy, he's going to reign over ten. The next guy, he's going to reign over five. Both of them used the gifts they had to the best of their ability to do what they were called to do. 
But then it begins to turn. In verse 20, And another came saying, Lord, he called him Lord, but he didn't do what the Lord said. And this is in reference, there is another place in the Bible, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Master, Ruler, and yet you don't do what I say? And this is where we see it, right here. Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I kept up in a napkin. In Matthew, in another place, it says the guy hid it in the ground. Wow. The stories are similar, but one is talking about the gifts and talents of the time. This is talking more about the millennial reign. So in verse 20, we see here the napkin, the handkerchief, excuse me, represents idleness, laziness, unfaithfulness, and selfishness. Wow. Idleness, laziness, another place it says to be slothful, unfaithfulness, and selfishness. So what's he saying? I didn't do anything with it at all. I mean, here it is, Lord. You gave me the gospel, and here it is back to you, but I didn't do anything with it at all. I didn't share it. I didn't witness. I didn't testify. I didn't prophesy. You know, I didn't take away from it, but I sure didn't add to it. I did, I did nothing. That is idleness. That is, let, that is being unfaithful. That is being selfish. Verse 21. For I feared thee, not the right kind of fear, one irreverent fear, because thou art an austern man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest where thou did not sow. Austern, austern means where severe or strict in manner, attitude, and appearance. So we see here again, Ulster means he was literally calling the Lord severe and strict in matter, attitude, and appearance. In the parables, there's another place where the talents were left. That man said, called him hard. He said, you are a hard man. You are severe. In other words, you, you, you want to gain from what you didn't do? You, 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 you want to give us something? In fact, there's to do something with it when you, oh my, my, my. Look at what's happening here. Now, in another version of the Bible, it says this. You see, I live in fear of you, for everyone knows you are a strict master and impossible to please. You push us for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. My, could you imagine Anybody saying that to Jesus Christ. Look at that. The guy called him Austin. He called him hard. He called him severe. And let me read that for you again. Because I, I want this to really seek in. Because I'm getting ready to show you. There's some people do this every day. And don't even realize they're doing it. He said, you see, I live in fear of you. I, in other words, I am terrified and afraid of you, not lovingly reverencing you. See, the true fear of God is not only realizing what God can do, but realizing where we would be without him. That's the greatest fear of the Lord, is realizing Glenn Mills would be in a mess without my heavenly father. I would be on the road to hell without hope. I would be lost. I would be, oh, I'd be a mess. I'm a, sometimes I'm a mess anyway, but thank God I've got God. That is the true fear of the Lord. But this man had a different kind of fear because 
of the actions he had, he feared what was going to happen to him. He said, I live in fear of you for, listen, everyone knows. Be careful when somebody tells you, well, everybody said, ask them who the everybody is and you'll find out you probably won't get any names. I've had people come say, you know, well, people are saying, well, who are those people? You're going to find out it's, it's not the people, it's them. This man said it. I'm sure nobody else was really saying it. For everyone knows you are a strict master. And, and look at it, impossible to please. Don't tell me you can't please God. It don't take a lot to please God. My friends, God knows everything about us. He loves us. He knows our failures. He knows our strength. He knows our weaknesses. And the thing that pleases God most is that we trust him with anything. But to say that we can't please God, but he goes on to say, you push for a high return on all that you own, and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. So basically, here's what's being said about the nobleman, about Jesus, about the Savior of the world who gave his life for the sins of the people. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, to give us a relationship with the Father, that we can be with them for eternity, whether we die or the rapture comes. And all he's asked us to do is to share the gospel, which is only going to bless us. The same gospel that we share with others is the same gospel that heals us, delivers us, sanctifies us, strengthens us, helps us, feeds us, clothes us, protects us, promotes us, provides for the same gospel that we share with so many other people is the same gospel that blesses us in return tremendously. But this man is saying, you know, you died for the sins of the world and yet you expect us to go out and spend our life sharing the gospel and all of it. You expect all of this from us when all you did was die for our sins. That's about the most idiotic thing I believe I've ever heard in my life. I, I've never seen this in the scripture before. Well, brother, what's that got to do with us? How many times have you thought, well, why should I have to go to church? Why should I have to witness? Why should I have to do this? Why, why should I have to tithe? I mean, why should I have to do all these things? Why should I have to use my gifts for the Lord? We're saying the same thing that man said. Why should Jesus expect me to sacrifice my life? You want to know why? Because he died for our sins, that we could have a relationship with the Father, because without him we were destined for hell without hope. And I think if nothing else, that's a reason to want to serve him faithfully. You see, we, we better be careful that we'll find ourselves in the same situation this man is in. We're doing nothing with the gospel, but we're getting frustrated with God because we think he expects all of this out of us when everything he expects blesses us in return anyway. Wow. Matthew 22. And he said unto him, Listen, out of your own mouth I would judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an all-stern man, taking up what I had not laid down and reaping what I did not sow. In Matthew 12, 37, it says this, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words they will be, you will be condemned. Be careful what you say. 
Be careful how you view the gospel. Be careful how you think God expects something out of us when God says, everything I've asked you to do, I'm only going to bless you. It's an opportunity to walk in the favor of the Lord, to use the giftings that are only going to bless us, and we need to be careful how we think we owe that God owes us something. Because this is really what the guy is saying. Is you want me to do all this for you, and you ain't done nothing for me, when yet God's already done everything up front and continues to do. My friends, we owe God everything. We can never, ever, no matter how much work we do, ever repay God. It's not about working for God. It's a matter of working with God. It's a matter of working with the Holy Spirit. We are the family of God. We are the children of God. And God works through his children. We have been bought with a price, but we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are not, we are more than servants. We are children of God. The Almighty, the Creator, the Sustainer. And to think He owes us anything, we ought to be glad He allows us to share the gospel. That He trusts us enough to go out and share the gospel. But Jesus said, out of your own words, you're going to be judged. He said, if what you say is true, yet everything I gave you is going to bless you. Wow. Verse 23. Wherefore then gaveth not my money into the bank that my coming I might have required my own interest and usury? He said, if nothing else, you could have at least put it in the bank. It could have drawn interest. Now remember, everything physical has spiritual implications. Interest is things not involving the ministry of others. He was saying, well, let's, let's say you didn't go out and share the gospel like I asked you to do. You did not use your gifts and talent to share the gospel. He said, but you didn't even give me any interest on your own, which means you didn't praise me. You didn't worship me. You didn't thank me. You didn't read my word. You didn't pray. You didn't even do things that didn't require anybody else. You see, presenting the gospel means it's us sharing the gospel with someone else. But there's so much more we can do in the kingdom as well, which is equally important. Does not do away with sharing the gospel. That is most important. But on our own, we should be worshiping, praising, giving thanks, reading the word, praying, prophesying the word. He said, you didn't even do that. You didn't even show me interest on your own. Let Lord go out and trade like I told you to do and do the business of the kingdom. Wow, I hope this is making sense to somebody. Verse 24, and he said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him who hath ten pounds. Wow. Woo! Take from him the pound and give it to the one who had ten pounds. And 25 it says, And they said unto him, Lord, he, he, he hath ten pounds. In other words, why are you giving it to the one with the ten? He's already got ten. Why are you giving him more? Now, like the other servants, they were like-minded with the one who wrapped it up in a napkin. It doesn't say that they increased what they had either. Only the one with the ten and the one with the five. Chances are, being we're going down on the scale, the others hadn't done any more than the one who wrapped it in a handkerchief. 
Now, even today, you say, well, what's an example of this today? A, a good example of this is what we're often seeing in the government. The people who are making the large amounts of money, if you really investigate that, you will find out they are paying a lot of taxes already. They're paying more than the average person. But then we've got people in the government that are saying they should pay most of the taxes. My friend, they're doing most of the work. But yet we want them to what? We say, well, they don't deserve it. We need to take away from them. This is the same mentality we have here. But you see, what works in the physical is not always the same in the spiritual. And the Lord said, if you're not going to use what you've got, if you're not going to use your gift, your talent, your ability, your call, if you're not going to sing for me, praise for me, worship me, serve me, be faithful to me, then I'm going to take that gift and that anointing and I'm going to give it to the one with ten because he's proven himself to be faithful. And if I give him something, he'll be faithful with that as well. It is for this very reason, somebody hear me now, that we see people in the church who are always growing in the Lord, getting stronger, more anointed, accomplishing more, because there's too many in the church that ain't doing nothing. Did I say that? You better believe it. Nothing. You show up. You, you don't. Somebody. You don't give. There are people that don't give. They don't tithe. They don't. They don't do anything other than show up for church. And the reason they can't do anything is because they won't do anything. And if you won't do anything, God will take your gifting and give it to somebody else in the church who will use it to His glory. And that's the way it works in the kingdom. Now, our government doesn't want to work that way. They want to, they want to take it all from the people that's doing the most, working the hardest, and give it to people that are doing nothing. That's a prime example. But God said, it doesn't work that way in my kingdom. If you're not going to do anything with what I've given you, I will take it away from you and give it to somebody who will use it to my glory because it will only keep increasing with them. It's not going to increase with you. If you're not going to do anything. Now, if you're being faithful, God's going to, matter of fact, I want, I want to encourage everybody listening right now. If you are being faithful serving the Lord, he's going to keep increasing your gifts, your talents, and your ability, and he's going to be doing it off the people who won't do anything. Why? I, I didn't say The word said it. It is right here in the word, plain as day. Get a hold of it. Verse 26, for I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. Why? Because they'll be unfaithful with what they have. And from him that hath not, why doesn't it have? Because he's not using it. Even that which he has is going to be taken away. The faithful are going to receive more, while the slothful, lazy, unfaithful will lose what they have in the spiritual and even sometimes in the physical. I've seen people who served God faithfully and then went back to the world and it wasn't long their life came apart at the seams because we cannot do it without God. I hope somebody's getting this today, but here is the final thing I really want you to get. Thank you for sticking with me so far. But verse 27 is powerful. But those mine enemies, those who don't want me to reign over them, those who don't want to be faithful, those who don't want to serve me, those who don't want to share the gospel, those who don't want to use their talents, those who don't want to use their gifts, those who won't heed to the call, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither. 
And look at what he says now. And slay them before me. Slay them before me. Final judgment is coming for those who did nothing to advance God's kingdom and those who rejected Christ as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. The two servants that were found faithful, God promoted and said, I'm going to use you. Jesus said, I'm going to use you. Not only now, but in the millennium kingdom that's coming. He said, but those who do nothing, nothing, and those who will not let me reign over them, he said, they will face eternal judgment. And here the slay means to be cast out eternally. That's hell. That's hell, my friends. Hell is separation from God for eternity. I want to encourage you today. If you've got gifts and talents, and I know you do, get busy. Because there's a lot of people that are going to be surprised when it's all said and done. It's a lot more than just grace. Grace without obedience is nothing. Because, see, grace doesn't work unless obedience is applied. God, he said, well, God loves us, and he's not going to send anybody to hell. Well, I just did a sermon on free will, and you can find that on Facebook and YouTube. You need to hear that, too, because God gave us a free will to choose. And if we end up, it's like C.S. Lewis said, every person that is currently in hell chose to be there. God didn't send them there. They chose by the life they lived and the decisions they made. I want to encourage you today. And not get busy just to get busy. But allow God through his word and his Holy Spirit to help you accomplish what he's called you to do. It, it's not like God is just sending us to do it. God goes with us through the Spirit. God is never going to ask me or you to do anything that he doesn't send his Spirit to help us. We are not alone in the call on our life. God said, if I've equipped you, I will go with you. So we can never have an excuse. Well, God, I couldn't do that because Jesus, the word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me by the word and by the spirit. We have no excuses for not doing what he said. Everybody, every person listening, we've got a responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ any way we possibly can. Well, Brother Mills, I'm worried about what people said. Well, don't let that send you to hell because it doesn't matter whether people receive us or not. We're to proclaim the gospel. And if you do it in love, they're not going to come against you anyway. I've never had anybody ever in all the years that I've been sharing the gospel get mad at me because I was concerned about their eternal soul. And if you do it in love, my friends, God loves you. God wants to save you. He sent his son to die for you. And God wants you to be with him for eternity. Who's going to get mad about that? I've had people say, well, I'm not ready for that right now. But thank you for being concerned. But I've never had anybody cuss me, abuse me, or beat me. And they're not going to do that to you either. So quit listening to the devil. That is a lie out of the very pits of hell itself. Go share Jesus. And Jesus also said, even if they were to abuse you, it's not because of you, it's because of me. And then you'll be found faithful and you can rejoice in your sufferings for Christ. 
like Paul proclaimed so often, and all the other apostles as well. My friends, we are in a current apprenticeship preparing for not only heaven, but the millennium reign of Christ. And we need to be busy about the master's work. God loves us. He trusts us. Jesus is our Lord and Savior, our King of kings and Lord of lords. And it is an honor. It is a glory. It is a privilege to serve him. Because when we serve him, he's with us through the Holy Spirit in the Word. And everything we do for him, remember what the Bible says, God will be a debtor to no man. Which means if we do anything for him, with him, he's going to reward us. So it's not like we're going to do it for nothing. It's not like the servant who claimed that he was hard and impossible to please. My friends, God is well pleased when we serve him with the gifts and talents that we've given. But when we're serving him, we're actually serving others. It's really about bringing others to Christ more than anything else. That's what God's heart is, is that everyone would come to know him. And he's trusting us to do that. Don't be considered one of the lazy and lose your gifts and talents to be given to someone else. But get busy. And you get busy, you'll get blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you really enjoyed this, I pray you will share this with someone else and help us continue spreading the gospel and the good news and the word of our God for every person we possibly can.